uh, said, our text today is Joshua 22, verses 10 through 12. Joshua 22, verses 10 through 12. General Election Survivor Kit 2020 is the name of our current sermon series. The purpose of uh, this series isn't to tell y'all who to vote for on November 3rd. So sorry to disappoint you. You will not hear from this pulpit who you need to vote for. The purpose is to hopefully provide y'all with some resources to help you navigate this toxic and divisive presidential election. Resources to help y'all cope with the aftermath of the results, because there will be an aftermath. Resources to, to also help you filter out unhelpful commentary from your political prophets, teachers, and pastors. Because each of us have pastors that we go to to help shape us politically. And sometimes that stuff is not helpful. Resources that will help you to stand firm in, in the hope and the peace that, that Jesus gives. Resources that will help each of you to function in a spirit of humility and compassion and, and empathy and teachability. Can anyone name the first resource in this general election survival kit? Does anyone remember it? Yes, who said that? Yes. Spiritual swagger. Spiritual swagger. Christians with spiritual swagger, uh, they strive to accept all aspects of God's truth even those aspects that, that challenges their worldview and politics. You cannot read this and think you won't ever be challenged in your worldview and your politics if you're really reading this and trying to submit to this. Christians with spiritual swagger, they don't cherry pick from the whole counsel of God. They strive to surrender and submit to all of it. What about y'all? Do y'all have spiritual swagger or are y'all spiritual gullible? You just believe any and everything that's posted on social media that comes from your favorite celebrity pastor. What do y'all believe? The second and third resource in this general election survival kit 2020 comes from Joshua 22. I started addressing them last week in verses 1 through 9. Again, do y'all remember? Now, this is a time to be taking notes if you take notes. Resource 1, spiritual swagger. The second resource is knowing that Christians don't all live on the same side of the Jordan. Okay? We don't all live on the same side of the Jordan. We live on different continents, in different nations, different states, different cities, different neighborhoods. We're part of different tribes. We come from different biological families. We all have different life experiences in America where we're part of different ethnic groups. And we also have different views when it comes to politics and social issues. We don't live on the same side of Jordan. But as Christians, we're part of the same covenant family. And that's an amen statement. But do y'all believe it? And do y'all live it? Or is it just lip service? The third resource 
in this survival kit is knowing the true source of Christian unity and y'all functioning accordingly. It's knowing the real source of unity within God's covenant family and living out that reality. The, the true source of Christian unity in this country, even globally, is Jesus Christ alone. And that's another amen statement. He's the source of Christian unity, even if we don't live it out. Practically and functionally, it's still true. In everyone and everything else, we try to make the source of our unity become idols and sinking sand. There's only one source that can unify Christians across the world together, and that is our Savior. And if we're not able, and if we're not living out that unity, then we don't really love Jesus as much as we say we do. Period. This morning, we're going to continue addressing these two resources by picking up where we left off in Joshua 22. Keep in mind that this is a historical story. It's real. It happened. And it's a historical story that I've named the other side of the Jordan. The story begins with covenant unity on display between the eastern and western tribes of Israel who live on opposite sides of the Jordan. But now... The story is getting ready to take a turn. You see, it's about to go low. I mean, very low. And so before I continue, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to bless the preaching of the word. So please pray with and for me. Holy Spirit. The son says that you are a helper, and that you are the spirit of truth, and that you will lead us into truth. And so my prayer is that you will help us to be able to discern your voice, your leading, your guiding. My prayer is that your voice in us will reign louder than our sin and the voice of the enemy. That you would give us humble hearts, teachable hearts, that everyone that's here in this building, everyone that's watching on Facebook Live, that, that because of who you are, they will receive what they need to receive. And also those who may be here and listening who don't know Jesus and saving faith, that they may hear what they need to hear so they can come to a place of repentance and give their life to Jesus finally. You are the third person of the Trinity. You have a very, very, very important role in the life of the church. So, Holy Spirit, glorify Jesus during this time and bless his people during this time as well. It's in his wonderful name I pray. Amen. Waikita and I uh, received some parental, uh, some parental wisdom um, years ago from a couple here at the church, and the wisdom actually came from a couple friend, uh, no, a, a, one of their couple friends. And here's the wisdom: If you're a parent, here's the wisdom. Are you ready? All things eventually ends in tears. Well, what does that mean, Pastor? It means siblings they can start out unified in the game, 
some toys, some adventure. Everybody's happy. Everybody's enjoying one another's company. People are making compromises. There is sibling peace and unity. Everybody's getting along. Everybody's doing a good job until something disturbs the peace, the harmony, and the unity. Then the tears come. The chaos starts. The arguments begin. And likewise, siblings in God's covenant family often function the same way within local churches, churches globally, and within various denominations. You see, there has been an appearance of peace and harmony and unity among Christians in America. Notice I said appearance. There has been an appearance of all of us getting along, but something has come along and has disturbed that appearance of peace, unity, and harmony. And y'all know what it is. I mean, you're not living on a rock. It's been going on for years now. It's the current racial tensions and and this toxic political election, the age of polarization and partisanship. Those things have impacted the body, the churches in America, and we see it. Unity has been disturbed, it's been interfered with, and it's been tested. And and, and guess what has been revealed about us, notice I said us, as Christians in America, regardless of our ethnicity, nationality, gender, or social class. Guess what's been revealed about us in our country, within local churches, and across denominations, and across parachurch ministries, and our Christian tribes? Our appearance of peace, harmony, and unity is superficial. We give lip service to the truth that Jesus is the source of our Christian unity. Functionally and practically, we have other sources that we believe unites us to other Christians. So what are some of those sources? Politics, justice, ethnicity, There's nothing wrong with these things, but when they're the source that we say unify us as Christians, that is idolatry. Our, our, Our united causes cannot be what truly unites us, because what happens once the cause is over? The so-called unity goes away. If, 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 if we're unified because of, of being unified against a particular person, and once that particular person is no longer around, what happens to the unity? It goes away. People who are only unified to fight a common enemy, once that enemy goes away, they become enemies. The enemy of my enemy is a temporary ally, a temporary friend. Because that person will become your enemy once you get rid of the other enemy. So what is the source of our true unity? And as a result, because of we have these false things as our source of unity, some of us are going to let politics and race in America ruin some of your relationships beyond repair. And some of that may have already happened. Beyond repair. And Jesus isn't happy. And the same ruined outcome could possibly happen between the eastern and western tribes of Israel who also live 
on opposite sides of the Jordan. You see, the historical story in Joshua 22, it picks up with the eastern tribes arriving back home to the, to, to the land of Gilead. They, they depart shallow on good and peaceful terms with, with their west side brothers. They, they leave with, community, with covenant unity and beautiful community on display. And when they arrive on their side of the Jordan, they begin to settle into their rest, into their own inheritance. End of the story, right? That's it. It's, 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 it's the end of the story. We can just stop, I can pray, and we all can go home and eat our lunch. Both sides of the Jordan, they're going to live happily ever after now, right? It's going to be utopia. It's going to be kumbaya forever now. No issues, no conflicts, no tensions between the two tribes. I wish that was the case. Because remember, the story that starts high is about to go real low, very low. After some time passed, maybe months, could have been years, seemingly out of nowhere, the, the eastern tribes decide to build something on the west side of Jordan. They built something there. And, and what they built, it, it, it tests the covenant unity between them and their west side brothers. Things are about to get heated. Tension and conflict is coming. Somebody might not get invited to the family cookout because of what happened. That was a joke. Please for your life. Somebody's not coming to the cookout. Unity and peace can fall apart. Putting brother against brother, tribe against tribe, covenant family against covenant family, east against west. Israelite on Israelite crime is getting ready to happen. Civil war can easily erupt like a volcano because of what the eastern tribes built on the west side of the Jordan. Listen, they just got into the land. <laughs> you see, this, they, they just got into the land that God has promised their forefathers. And now that they're into the land, now they're getting ready to turn on one another. But what did they build, Pastor? They built an altar, similar to the altar that's of the Lord that's back in Shiloh. It's an it's a, it's a, it's a altar of great and imposing size. I mean, it, it's eye-catching. You, you can't miss it. It's like, bam! It's like right in your face. Look at verse 10. And when they, that is the eastern tribes, came to the region of Jordan, that is in the land of Canaan, the people of Reuben, the people of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh built there an altar by the Jordan, an altar of imposing size. And eventually, the West Side brothers, they find out about this altar that their Eastern tribe brothers built on their side of Jordan. Somehow, word gets back to them. Maybe a West Side group goes on a stroll along the Jordan River, you know, just hanging out, walking with their families. And, and all of a sudden, they stumble upon this huge opposing altar. And after the initial shock and the confusion, they're like, well, 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 what do we have here? Asking, asking themselves this question, what's happening on the east side of the Jordan? What, what's really going on over there? Have you ever asked yourself that question about people who live on the other side of the Jordan? What's really going on with those people, those Christians, as if they're not part of who you are as fellow Christians? Imagine for a moment smartphones and social media existed 
during this time. Just imagine, just imagine for a moment. What do you think this group would do next once they see the altar? What do you think their first response would be? The same thing y'all currently do. They take pictures of the altar, send it to some of their brothers on the west side, in a huge group text saying, look at this hot mess. I can't believe what I'm seeing. Our brothers on the west side, on the other side of Jordan, have built a new altar for themselves. And we do that. Others in the group, see, they won't send a group message. They'll, they'll post their things on Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat and Facebook with a hashtag that says, oh, no, they didn't. With a hashtag, the devil is a lie. Hashtag Yahweh fix it. Hashtag they're in trouble. Hashtag this is another gospel. So this group hightails it back to to, the, to their side of the Jordan, and they tell the others, and word spreads throughout all the Western tribes. The stories and the rumors and their hearsay leads to false assumptions and concerns about what's happening on the other side of the Jordan. Guess what develops? Mob mentality develops. We know nothing good comes from mob mentality. So mob mentality develops on the west side of the Jordan. Let's look at verse 11. The people of Israel heard of it. Behold, the people of Reuben, the people of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh have built the altar at the frontier of the land of Canaan in the region about the Jordan on the side that belongs to the people of Israel. That is the west side brothers. And all these western tribes are like, this isn't right. No, 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 no. They're wondering what is going on on the other side of the Jordan, asking themselves, how dare our brothers build another altar of the Lord, of the one that is in Shiloh, to replace that altar. And, they, and so they're all thinking this over, and their tensions are high. The people are on high alert. And so all the Western tribes gather and assemble together at Shiloh once again. And remember, what was on display the last time the whole congregation of Israel gathered at Shiloh? What was on display there? Covenant unity, beautiful community. And that time, at that first gathering, the Eastern tribes were part of that gathering. Guess what? They're not part of this one. They're not part of this gathering. See, this assembly at Shiloh isn't for celebration. It isn't for worship. It isn't to display covenant unity and beautiful community. The Western tribes assemble together to make civil war with their brothers on the other side of the Jordan. Look at verse 12. And when the people of Israel heard it, the whole assembly of the people of Israel gathered at Shiloh to make war against them. Please take that in. Please feel the weight of what is getting is what could potentially happen here. So we see if we read these Old Testament books, sometimes we read them not realizing this is actual history. This actually happened. Everything in the covenant family can fall apart if this goes into civil war. And they just got into the promised land. The place that was once a display of peace and harmony and unity between both tribes, have now become a place to declare war. The Western tribes are on the verge of making war against the same brothers 
who fought alongside of them for years. Think about that. These aren't strangers. Don't forget about the vow that the, the, the eastern tribes made to Moses back in, in Numbers 32. They told Moses, we will take up arms, ready to go before the people of Israel. Until we have brought them to their place, we will not return to our homes until each of the people of Israel have gained his inheritance. For we will not inherit with them on the other side of the Jordan and beyond because our inheritance has come to us on this side of the Jordan, the east. They made that vow. They kept that vow. They kept the covenant of vow, vow to their brothers who currently live on the west side of the Jordan. They walked with them. They sweated with them. They bled with them. They broke bread with them. They labored with them. They celebrated with them. The eastern tribes delayed the enjoyment of their own inheritance until they helped their brothers secure theirs. But now these same brothers are preparing to make war against them. Think about what's happening. Do you see how easy it is for distrust and disunity to creep into God's covenant family? Do you see how quickly covenant family members can turn on one another because of assumptions? Do you see it? Y'all see it. Some of you are living it. It needs to be pointed out that the Western tribes, they do have a legitimate concern about the altar being built on that side of the Jordan. Hey, it doesn't look good at all. It, it, it does look like a breach of faith by the brothers on the east side. It, it, it looks like they're believing and preaching another gospel. Their, their actions have the appearance of sin. It does look like the eastern tribes have turned away from Yahweh Elohim. You see, the eastern tribes, they went on the other, they went on the other side of Jordan, and they built this huge altar without attempting to engage their brothers about it in conversation. They did. They, they built it without telling them, without giving them a reason. They, they built the altar and went back on their side of the Jordan with the assumption, with the assumption that their West Side brothers would know what it meant. They built it with the assumption that their West Side brothers would know what it meant. See, they're assuming their brothers on the west side would know their good intentions. And it never crossed their minds that their good intentions could cause great damage to their unity with their brothers on the other side of the Jordan. Does that sound familiar? What potential harm and damage has the good intentions from your side of the Jordan caused with y'all unity with brothers and sisters on the other side. Well, it, it was my, I had good intentions. But what kind of altar have you built on the other side of the Jordan without even a conversation, without even explaining what it means? What assumptions are being made about the other side of the Jordan, about believers on the other side? And, what assu- and assumptions, and making assumptions isn't just one-sided. People on the other side of a Jordan also make assumptions about your side. The same is true here in Joshua 22. The Western tribes make the assumption that their brothers 
have rebelled against Yahweh. That's their assumption. They assume that they built this altar out of rebellion, and it's a breach of faith. They don't know for sure if they're preaching another gospel, but yet they assume they are. They assume that they're guilty without knowing the facts and the details. Does that sound familiar? They want to make civil war without having all the information. They want to break fellowship on what appears to be rebellion against Yahweh. They don't know for sure if it's rebellion. When mob mentality takes over, bad things happen. Mob mentality is taking over at Shiloh right now on the west side of the Jordan. Again, does that sound familiar? And does it remind you of anyone or anything? Who are the brothers and sisters in this country are you willing to make war against who live on the other side of the Jordan without knowing what's really happening on their side? What group of believers are you at war with right now on social media? What group of Christians on the other side of Jordan do you assume are preaching a different gospel? You don't really know for sure. You just assume they are. What hurtful labels have you um, have, have your side of the Jordan placed on brothers and sisters on the other side of the Jordan? You just label them something. You haven't even had a conversation with them. You just label them that. What kind of painful names is your side of the Jordan calling the other side? We all struggle here, the pastor included. Are we going to make war with believers who don't vote like us on November the 3rd? Are you going to break fellowship? You know what you're going to do. What are you going to do? Facebook land? What are you going to do? Are you going to make war with a brother and sister because of one Facebook post or tweet? Are you going to go to war uh, with brothers and sisters because they lean right or left politically? Are you going to make war with other Christians because of their views of race and justice? Are you going to make war based on what appears to be sin or a breach of faith? Without giving the benefit of the doubt, are we going to break fellowship on low information? Are we going to make war and cut people off without even going to the other side of Jordan to talk with your brother and sister to figure out what's really going on? What are we going to do, church? What are we going to do as as Christians in America? The world is watching. How we treat one another when there's conflict. Maybe some people on your side are like, why should we go to the, why should my side go to the other side? Well, why must my side take the initiative? What about them? I mean, they built the freaking altar. But they, I didn't start this conflict. It's their fault. And anyway, our side already knows what the other side thinks. And feels. Have you ever said that? We, we, we've seen their social media posts. We, we listen to their podcasts and speeches and sermons. I already know what they think. But have you had a conversation face to face? There's one reason why y'all should go to the other side of Jordan in the midst of the, the current conflict 
and distrust and disunity within the covenant family in America. There's one motivation of why you should go to the other side of Jordan in this current racial and divisive political election in our country. And that reason and motivation is a person, and that is Jesus Christ. Why, Pastor? Why, why is he the reason? Because he came to your side of the Jordan when you was his enemy. He's going to say, these, these, what's happened in Joshua 22, they're family. Jesus comes to your side. He enters enemy territory to come to your side of the Jordan. And he comes to your side of the Jordan so you can be at peace with God. That's why he comes. He comes to resolve the tension and the brokenness between you and the holy God. And he does that not by making a treaty. He does that not by uh, signing uh, some document. He does it by shedding his own blood. And so if you're saying, I can't go to the other side of Jordan to make things right with my brothers and sisters, then you don't love Jesus. And you don't really believe the true gospel. You're believing another gospel. Because of Jesus. Because he comes to our side of Jordan that's why we're able to gather here today. We weren't born Christians. He redeemed us. God is always constantly reminding Israel, remember what I did. Remember you were slaves in Egypt. Remember I delivered you. You need to remember what Christ brought you from. So if you're really loving Jesus, then we can get off our butts and put down the phone. Get off social media and take your tail to the other side of Jordan and engage your brother and sister without judgment. Can you do that? And if your side can't receive the other brothers and sisters on the other side in humility, again, you don't love Jesus as much as you think. So what should all believers in America right now on both sides of the Jordan, what does this mean? We need to confess and repent. We need to confess and repent. Ask for forgiveness and extend forgiveness. Some of you need to take a sabbatical from social media. You need to put the phone down. Build genuine relationships with believers who live on the other side of the Jordan. Educate yourself about the issues that the other side of Jordan has and and are struggling with. Well, our problem, I'm going to get into this next week, is that we let the leaders on our side of Jordan tell us what to think about people on the other side. And your leaders haven't even went over to the other side themselves. Ephesians 2 says, this is our brother Paul. He says, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, make my joy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in in full accord of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you Look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests 
of others. Can that be something that we live out as a local church, as a visit church? And can this something we can live out as Christians in America? Let us not look out. Let us not only look to the interests on our side of the Jordan, but also to the interests of your brothers and sisters who live on the other side. Again, your motivation and your reason is your Savior. Because he did not say, I won't go to your side of Jordan. He went when you were his enemy and he made you a friend. So Jesus is all the motivation you need. He's all the motivation I need. He's all the motivation the church in America needs. And again, what has been revealed about us is that functionally, Jesus is not our source of our unity. And that's why our first response needs to be repent. Repent and confess and ask the Spirit to help us to live differently because we are different. We live different because we are different. No other group of people in this country, no other group of people in this country have what we have as Christians. We have the one true God, but right now we live like pagans because we don't even believe him. We have not a truth, the truth. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you unbelief. Ask him to help you believe it. When Christ's disciples, other disciples were deserting him, Jesus asked them, are y'all going to desert me too? Are you going to leave too? What did Peter say to Jesus? No, for you have the words of life. Do you believe this is your life? Or do you believe something else is? Young Christians, older Christians, what do you believe? What's your functional belief? Who's your functional savior? God is testing us, all of us, right now in our country as Christians. He's testing us to show us to bring us to a deeper level of repentance of our idolatry of this country. This is not our home. We're sojourners. Please know that we're on the other side of Jordan as Christians. And we're here to represent our God and King. My prayer for you, my prayer for all of us, every church here, is that on November the 3rd and what happens afterwards, we will make Jesus proud by the way we deal with one another. Again, the world is watching. We think the culture does more harm to Christianity. No, it's our disunity. It's the fact that we can't get along. We are the worst witnesses to the gospel because the way we deal with brothers and sisters on the other side of the Jordan, the world is watching. Well, I'm done. Let's just pray. I don't have anything else to say.
Father God, Jesus, thank you for coming to the other side of Jordan. And really the incarnation is just that. You coming to the other side of Jordan to save enemies. Help us to remember what you actually redeemed us from. And also help us to remember what you have redeemed us to be. And that as your people who live on different sides of the Jordan, your blood is enough. Your finished work is enough. For us to really live in unity with one another. They're never going to be perfect, but it can be healthy. It can be better than what it is today. So, Holy Spirit, will you do a great work in the church within this nation? That you will bring us to a deeper level of repentance. That you will free us from our political idolatry. That you will free us uh, from the things that, that we think unifies us together, but really don't. Holy Spirit, will you do it? We have an opportunity here as Christians to be salt and light. Our hope is not in the results of November the 3rd, but a lot of people, their hope is there. Our hope is not in that. Kings rise and fall because of you. So, Holy Spirit, we cannot give hope to the unbeliever if we're resting on false hope. So again, help our unbelief, help us to see Jesus, and help us to go to the other side of Jordan, to learn from our brothers and sisters who live there, to hear their voice, to hear their stories, to hear their, the things that they're dealing with. We go because of you. We don't go because of anyone else or anything else. And I pray for all of this. In Christ's wonderful name, amen. Will y'all please stand?